and welcome to the newest episode of the Read Right to Left podcast. I, as always, am G, joined by my wonderful co-host, Ray, from Whimsical Pictures. Hi, everybody. And this month, we are doing a series spotlight, a fantastic Jose drama series called Descending Stories by Haruko Kumata. Um, It has a very beloved cult favorite uh anime from a couple years ago and so we i think this month we're gonna be diving right in no questions so we'll just we'll just get into it yep so the full title of this is descending story is showa genroku rakugo shinju showa genroku is like two eras in the 20th century of japanese mm-hmm. history and Rakugo uh, is the art form that this series is about. Shinju means double suicide. So it's a uh, sort of a, 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 a title that encompasses a lot, I think. <laughs> um, but so first of all, Rakugo. What is Rakugo? Uh, the word literally, when literally translated, the two characters in it do mean descending stories. Um, mm. And this is the traditional Japanese performing art of comedic storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. If you wanted to compare it to something in the West, it could be most easily compared to like stand-up comedy in that... There's, like, a single performer who is telling a set to an audience, um, largely, like, trying to use their charisma and their comedic Mm -hmm. chops to, you know, give the audience a good laugh. But that's kind of where the similarities end. (laughs) Um... (laughs) The major difference here, um, there's a lot of differences, but the major one is that as opposed to a stand-up comedian, like, building their own set, writing their own jokes, um, Rakugo has, as the Descending Stories name implies, a set canon of stories that have been passed down through oral tradition through the generations, and... Performers will memorize those stories and work to perfect their telling of them. An Arakugo set will typically consist of like two or three of these stories. Yeah. <laughs> if you only watched the anime, you especially, because I think that like the author's notes in the backs of the volumes here give a lot of like relevant context for where Rakugo is at as an art form now mm-hmm. because Haruko Kumota mm-hmm. is very passionate about Rakugo and getting other people to engage with Rakugo. <laughs> so it's a lot of guides for like how to go see Rakugo, where to see it, when to see it, how to find a favorite, you know, like how to enjoy Rakugo, that kind of thing. But, um, I guess one thing that you only see like coming up right at the end of the series is that like if you go to see Rakugo now, you are much more likely to see like a female Rakugo artist. That's not really like an unusual thing or anything. 
and you are quite likely to hear original stories that are still using that sort of oral tradition that set like story mm -hmm. conventions, writing conventions and character conventions, but are original stories that often take place in modern times with modern versions of those stock characters. So that's quite common as well. Mm -hmm. Even like sets that include like a classic story and then an original story is, you know, pretty normal these days. So when you compare that to kind of the, the manga series itself, and I, as someone kind of completely outside of this art form, this culture, uh, and also this, this time frame, I don't know how accurately it portrays Rakugo in the Showa period. I'm sure closer than, than not, but a lot of in what you've said, right, of like the modernity of mm -hmm. female performers, original stories is not, it's something that is a big aspect of the series itself, but part of this kind of reconstruction and change mm -hmm. of Rakugo from Showa to kind of the quote unquote modern era um, and passing it from the masters of old to, mm -hmm. you know, something that you know, the younger people, uh, less traditional Japanese society would be interested in, especially as uh, I'm sure our listeners are very aware, Showa was a huge period of change for Japan. Yeah, I mean, Six it was decades, long. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was very long. In that time, you know, the the introduction of radio, television, Japan was... Mm -hmm. in and lost a war like the, the idea of you know entertainment becoming this very high paced less personal connection with an audience there's a lot a little bit more of a um disconnect because obviously if you're watching something on television versus watching a live performance there's a lot of change there and just mm -hmm. how people sought their entertainment which is one of the major themes within this series. Um, so as you said, the Rakugo of today is, in, you know, 2022 is very different from the Rakugo of the Showa period, but it's also very different of the Rakugo portrayed within this series as during that change, like during the shift of... Mm -hmm. Like from, oh, a male-only entertainment to an audience of locals who came to see a particular person hear a particular story. But in saying that, you know, <laughs> live entertainment, comedic or otherwise, and again, it's something that comes up a lot in this series about the connection to the audience and how despite our main character really wanting to kind of usher in the end of Rakugo um, for majority of the series, kind of the futility of that because of what Rakugo represents um, being connections between people, um, storytellers you know, generationally, audiences generationally. There, You truly can't like end an art form with one person or with the loss of a single individual 
Before we go deeper into some of those themes of the series, um, would you like to give a quick mm-hmm. synopsis of uh, what the series is about and sort of our main players? Yes. So this series, Descending Stories, are there's a couple main characters running around, but our main protagonist is um, Yakumo Yuraku. Yurakute, the Yurakute. Eighth. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. <laughs> the eighth. Um, so he's he's taken on this mantle, the Yakumo mantle from his master previously. Uh, his name before that is uh, Kiku Kikuhiko. Mm-hmm. Um, and then prior to that, he was just called Bon. So, yeah, we don't know what his name was before he... We don't became an we artist. don't know his actual legal birth name. Um, so we have multiple pseudonyms for this individual, which comes into play quite um, strongly throughout the story as well. Uh, so we have this when we meet him at the beginning of the story, he is kind of an older master. He is very representative of the last bastion of Showa Rakugo or Rakugo yep. within the show period. He's like the last great master because he he is at that point like the president of the Rakugo Association. Like he's mm-hmm. very much like in the peak of his career. Like he is yeah, the the master artist, as it were, archetypally. Yes. Yeah, so he he is very representative of the art form at that period and had been for a long time. Um, Our other main character, well, multiple main characters, our other main character um, who interacts with the story mostly is Yotaro, Mm -hmm. who who becomes Yakumo's apprentice, uh, a student. He, after leaving prison decides to become a Rakugo uh, performer um, after hearing Yakumo give a Rakugo performance at the prison. But personality-wise, they are very, very different. He is the <laughs> only uh, student that Yakumo has ever taken in the course of his career. Uh, and so yeah. through, I don't know, just sheer force of... Will. Spunk. <laughs> He, he just he he manages to yeah. to jo- join. So Yotaro like he leaves prison and he's seen this Rakugo performance from Yakumo while he was there and it changed his life, mm-hmm. changed his outlook on life. He was like I'm going to be Yakumo's mm-hmm. apprentice and he's <laughs> he's not quite sure how he's going to get to Yakumo, but luckily fate has decided to do him a solid um and he just literally <laughs> runs right into Yakimo and uh prostrates himself and asks to be his apprentice and Yakimo who at this point is a bitter cynical cold old man um uh who has grown a bit capricious in his old age I would say mm-hmm. um you know what he doesn't know what's come over him, but he decides to take in this kid as an apprentice, sort of, like, ironically. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and calls him Yotaro, which is one of the stock characters in Dakugo, which is, like, the idiot character. And it really fits him to a T. 
<laughs> and yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So once Yotaro joins, um, you know, in this household, uh, starts training as a Rakugo performer, uh, he, he soon learns about, well, there's a young woman who's living with Yakumo called Konatsu, who is the daughter of uh, two friends of Yakumo's who have pa passed away sadly several decades before um, and so Konatsu's a very major character she's kind of representative of a lot of the change happening as well mm -hmm. um, but of course the other two main characters were her parents that being Suke Roku who was uh, Yakumo's kind of lifelong rival, brother in arms almost. They both yeah. um, trained under the same master. They started the same day. They come from very different backgrounds mm -hmm. and they have very different personalities. And very different styles of Rakugo as well. Yes, but they seem to always be drawn together mm -hmm. in like a fateful way. They they represent parts of what's missing from the other person. Mm -hmm. And in that way, they, they continue to, um, yeah, just be each other's support system. And Yakumo, like, continues to be haunted by Skeidoku's ghost after yes. his death. Yeah. And finally is um, Miyokichi, who is also Konatsu's mother. Um, she's an interesting <laughs> woman. Perhaps the most con contentious aspect of this series. <laughs> yes. Um, she was a geisha and formerly, well, had feelings for Yakumo, um, ran away with Sukeroku, and obviously had his child. She's very interesting, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about her mm -hmm. going forward. Um, but again, she's someone from Yakumo's past who he's haunted by um, mm -hmm. and kind of what she represents and the guilt that he feels about being the sole survivor of like this generation of people. So yeah, those are most of the main characters. We have a couple others running around, but those are the ones that matter. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll, you know, mention the other ones if they come up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Over the course of the series, we're following Yakumo and his relationship with Rakugo, his early life, his relationship with Sukeroku and Konatsu and Yotaro. Um, pretty much from like seven or eight years old up into, spoilers, his, his death. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's such an interesting piece about the role of the performer and being an artist and what your art represents and how much you put into it, um, which is, again, kind of this, we, we touched on it, the difference in Rakugo performers and their styles and how they perform on stage and what that means to them. And for Yakumo, it's become this real love-hate relationship uh, almost this toxicity that he can't not 
have Rakugo in his life. He's, he wasn't initially that infatuated with Rakugo, but it's become so much of a part of him that he can't imagine not being a Rakugo performer, and which is w- why it prompts him to want to kind of cling to it and be the end of it um, because he doesn't see yeah. a lot of potential and change for the future with it. There's a couple different double suicides in this series, mm-hmm. but one of them is like literal Rakugo Shinju because Yakumo himself mm-hmm. has this desire to commit a lover's suicide with his art and to die with the art form itself, carry it with him into the afterlife so no one else can have it. Because of that, it shapes a lot of how he interacts with people. Obviously, Yotaro and Konatsu, um, but kind of the wider Rakugo community as well. And then also with his past and how he, he reflects on the art form and the changing world and... Um, so much so that he's kind of, be, kind of become blind to the potential that it has because he is so mired in what Rakugo was. Up until a point, he doesn't have a lot of perspective on what it can be. Um, and again, that's very much in line with kind of the changing of the generations and how art changes and transforms over the eras. and which is kind of perfectly reflected in what Rakugo is and how stories do change and adjust and, you know, disappear and reappear throughout the eras. I think this, uh, one of this manga's, like, biggest accomplishments is that it's, like, just such a fantastic work of character writing. Like, mm-hmm. Yakumo as a character is just so like fully realized throughout his entire life up until his death Mm -hmm. it's a kind of writing that you very rarely see in manga um and Mm -hmm. certainly even more rarely see done well it's very literary in its aspirations which i think is quite interesting Mm -hmm. with that i want to wonder if we want to go into a sort of the flashback that takes up a good chunk of the early volumes of this series Mm -hmm which uh, is told by Yakumo. It is a story being told by Yakumo to Yotaro, and Konatsu, Mm -hmm. I think, is listening in as well. He's not necessarily an entirely reliable narrator, as we'll find out much later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so this covers basically his life up until where he is, like, within the present timeline of the series when he's Taken in Yotaro, Konatsu is in her 20s, you know. <laughs> it starts with him as a child. From from the very beginning, the reason that Yakumo even started, even started Rakugo was because he was sent to his, who would become his master, his, his teacher, at a very early age after um, he got a leg injury. I don't know if he was born disabled or if he just got into an accident and developed an injury. Um, Mm -hmm. But his family, or his mother, presumably, uh, was a geisha, um, and there's not really room for 
one boys, but also kid people who can't dance form geisha duties dance he had been taught to dance there are roles um within Mm -hmm. geisha performances that can be performed by children of any gender but he'd Mm -hmm. kind of reached the age where he sort of outlived his usefulness there and he also got a leg injury that coincided with that Mm -hmm. so convenient reason to throw him out he ends up at this the home of this Rakugo performer master. Um, Yakumo kind of the Seventh. His will. <laughs> Yakumo the Seventh. Um, and as he's about to be dumped at this this place, um, another scruffy little street kid runs ahead of him and says, You know, we're I'm coming too. We're doing this. Uh, because he just, who becomes Sukuroku, he really just loves Rakugo and wants to be a Rakugo performer. Um, doesn't seem to have any family and uh, at first their teacher really isn't interested in taking on another kid uh his wife isn't happy that they're taking on one kid (laughs) anyway so like two kids (laughs) Mm. um (laughs) but ultimately he does decide to take on both boys and train them as rakugo performers Despite them coming from very different backgrounds, um, with very different personalities and very different performance styles and very different ideas and relationships with Rakugo, um, they become this very quickly become these kind of um, acrimonious friends. You know, that friend Mm -hmm. that you have that's like a pain in the ass, but (laughs) you love them anyway. Yeah. Um, So, you know, Yakumo never really um, approves of Sukuroku's behavior, especially. Um, Not approves, but he doesn't truly understand him or could could be as free, quote-unquote, as Yeah, well, he also Um, doesn't approve of his behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly. (laughs) Um, But the two of them, despite all the odds, um, you know, they train together, they grow up together, and even when they go their separate ways, as they continue to rise in the ranks of Rakugo, they still end up kind of falling into each other and supporting each other whether that be through their art or fi- financially, which is normally what, yeah, what Kiku's doing for mm. Um Yeah, <laughs> which is, you know, we have an interesting reversal of fates going on there, where Sugeroku being mm-hmm. much more outgoing, much more of a crowd pleaser, much more just... Popular. Popular, yeah, with the ladies and everyone else. Um... <laughs> Much more, I guess, you know, he's he's got that it factor, right? He's got this inherent mm-hmm. star power that makes everyone turn mm-hmm. towards him like a magnet. Which leads him to sort of rise in the ranks and find a voice for himself within Nakugo uh, much earlier than Kikuhiko does. Um, mm-hmm. And we see, like, Kiku, who, like, very much during a lot of the early part of his life resents Rakugo as, like, this thing that he's sort of been imprisoned 
in. Like, he has Mm -hmm. to do it. He's been abandoned, and so this is the only thing left to him. So he's got this resentment towards the art that he's trying to refine. And also, he just doesn't have those qualities that Sugeiroku does. He's quiet and reserved and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thoughtful and timid. So it takes him a very long time to find what Rakugo means to him and thus like what his performance style even is. He feels like he has to be someone like Tsukeroku or like any of the other like great Rakugo performers that he's looking at who are much more outgoing, much more outwardly funny. And so in trying to be like them, he's just doing some really horrible Rakugo because he's just not that person. <laughs> um, That's just not his personality. He's, no. is, he's not the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, you know, we know because we've seen him in his old age once he's perfected his craft mm-hmm. and he's uh, he's very funny, but he's funny in like a, a sly fox kind of way. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like by turns, it's like we see that at first, Sukeroku has all of the good luck, as it would seem, that he's, you know, making mm-hmm. the biggest strides forward. But he also crashes and burns very early on. You know, a lot of, like, his kind of upbringing or lack thereof comes back to bite him. He, you know, puts too much of himself into his craft and into all the people who come to the theater And he ends up, you know, becoming an alcoholic. He ends up becoming a deadbeat, like, Mm -hmm. spending all his time in the geisha quarters, like, really only showing up to Kiku's place when he needs a bill paid. So, Mm -hmm. and, you know, by that point, we can see Kiku, like, starting to find his footing because he's sort of, first of all, He's gaining the benefits of being the good son when the prodigal son has Mm -hmm. left the nest. But he's also just been quietly following tradition for a lot of years. And his Mm -hmm. master likes that because he doesn't want Rakugo to change. And he sees that Sugeroku represents a kind of change that is just thoroughly different from everything that he believes that Rakugo is. And so he puts all of his mm-hmm. faith into Kiku instead. And we see that sort of reversal of fortune. When Sukeroku seems like he has everything, Kiku has nothing. And when Kiku has everything, mm-hmm. Sukeroku has nothing. And it's so hard for them to kind of coexist at mm-hmm. the same level at the same time. It's almost um, like they can't. Like, there's so much yeah, in direct opposition to each other and I mean the two of them do represent two different perspectives on Rakugo right where Sukeroku Mm -hmm. is all about you know making his art accessible to the people and Mm -hmm. allowing the art form to change with the times even if that means like original stories if that means you know letting go of some of the more uh, eyebrow, if you would say, like intellectual um, aspirations of the art yes. form. Yeah. As Whereas Yakumo, uh, Kikuhiko at this point in his life, represents the 
traditions, the old ways, mm-hmm. um, this refusal to change with the times, this refusal to acknowledge the audience as active participants in the art form. Sukeroku is very mm-hmm. much like, you know, Mayurakugo is nothing without them. Whereas um, Hikuhiko's mm-hmm. entire thing is that he feels he can only truly be himself when he's doing Rakugo. And, you know, whether there are other mm-hmm. people in the room, be damned. Like, he couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. Rakugo is how he expresses himself as yeah. a person. And it's there's no engagement to an audience in his mind, mm-hmm. aside from, like, well, that's the expected. You want your audience to like you. But... Yeah. If they're engaged with his art, it, yeah, it means they're engaged with him as a person. And that's validating mm-hmm. to him as someone who sometimes has a shaky sense of self, um, which I'm sure we'll get into. And so we see like that opposition between artist and audience, like who should be prioritized, and as well as that opposition between tradition and modernity, between um, sticking to the old ways and adapting to the new. Um, And we see consistently that these two, if one of them is doing well, the other one is not. They are in direct mm-hmm. opposition and they cannot both succeed. Which we don't really see a resolution to until we get into the next generation of characters. Before we kind of transition to the next generation of characters, I I wanted to note that this this rivalry, this kind of incapability to coexist is almost highlighted by Miyokichi mm-hmm. and her relationship with these two men, wherein she she herself is a very complicated person who, through circumstance and decision, has ended up with a string of bad relationships, mm-hmm. and she ju- she jumps from one to the other um, in a in an attempt to find someone to accept her and understand her and so her feelings are very all over the place in regards to both of them mm-hmm. um there's an idea there that she loves like the person she truly loves or she sees herself most in is kiku mm-hmm. um yakumo her attraction to him as kind of being a part of her and being the one person that fully understands her is quite important to her but mm-hmm. her relationship with Sukeroku being kind of that disconnect from who she is and that escape from what she thinks mm-hmm. of herself as which which has its issues because she <laughs> runs away from that relationship as well there's this aspect there as well of like Sukeroku is very attainable to her because he's immediately attracted mm-hmm. to her and like DTF, <laughs> frankly. Um, <laughs> whereas she dates Kikuhiko for a long time and like he <laughs> is just not emotionally there at all. Yeah. Um, he's too into his art. Um, uh, he's too into Sukeroku. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. And he's just also a very closed off and emotionally distant person. And for her, I think that her claiming she sees so much in Kikuhiko is almost like 
a reflection of the pedestal she's put him on because she sees him as unattainable as well as like mm-hmm. a reflection of like her own self-loathing in a way mm-hmm. you know she's learned to sort of mold herself to be desirable to any man but she can't mm-hmm. figure out how to be desirable to this man kind of is yeah the the person that she's most curious about or most interested in or you know ends up mistaking that lack of interest as Mm -hmm. him understanding her on a deeper level which i don't necessarily think like since we're spending this whole story in kiku's point of view i don't think is necessarily the case like he's mostly just baffled Mm -hmm. and bewildered by her existence so (laughs) and he cares about her sure but Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm he can't he himself can't really quantify how he cares about her mhm there's a there's an aspect of the love that he has because he does he cares about her and he does love her on a level but not in a romantic sense mm-hmm. and again I, I think their relationship is very fraught because they do recognize <laughs> kind of their <laughs> own loneliness and lack Mm -hmm. within each other um to a a pretty um unstable point and Mm -hmm. wherein kiku aka yakumo has found a way to try and express himself through rakugo um and through like being himself through how he tells his stories Miyakichi doesn't have that except mm-hmm. for her relationship to men. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't have that self-expression that is purely just for herself, mm-hmm. which is something that she's been struggling with from day one. Uh, we yeah. know that she and, and Sukuroku and the and Yakumo the seventh met in Manchuria. Mm-hmm. Um, and who can, you know, there's, there's a lot of aspects yeah, well, of that as well. <laughs> she'd already had a relationship with Yakumo the Seventh for a while. Mm-hmm. But even prior to that was she she followed a man to Manchuria, at, mm-hmm. right? And then was abandoned by him there. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, she's chasing after someone to give her purpose, um, and to tell her like this is who you are or like it's okay mm-hmm. for you to be this person for someone to accept her right Mm -hmm. um and over the course of the story sukeroku kind of is that person and yakumo like or kiku recognizes like that the three of them can be each other's Mm -hmm. support system but also like they very obviously represent different relationships to each other um Mm -hmm. Whereas Miyakichi, I think she has trouble coordinating between the different types of love, mm-hmm. like how how to interact with people, especially well, like men. Yeah. So we see repeatedly this motif of like her only knowing how to define herself by her relationship to men. And we also mm-hmm. see a series of men who don't know how to quantify a woman except in terms of like property and like an mm-hmm. object 
or a reflection of them more than anything. Mm. Um, mm. We see this from Yakumo the Seventh, who like is a geezer by the time we meet him, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So he has very old-fashioned ideas about women. He warns Sukeroku mm. and Kiku not to get too close to her, like. You know, a girl like that is fun for a fling, but don't get any emotions involved because she's going mm. to be your ruin. And Kiku, like, hears this from him and recognizes that it's kind of hoary and old, right? But by the <laughs> same token, later on, when he's asked, you know, why um, women can't do Rakugo, he says, women belong in the audiences because they motivate men to do the best art of their mm. lives. Um, when a man sees a beautiful woman in the audience, he's motivated to become an even greater artist and reach for even greater heights. That's where a woman belongs. Mm -hmm. So the only person we really don't see treating Miyokichi like a vessel for his own shit <laughs> mm -hmm. um, is Sukeroku, the one who... Mm -hmm. so much like prioritizes the audience that he loses himself in the mix and he's frankly just a mess <laughs> i mean you made the point that sukeroku he loses himself in his audience much so that you know once he loses his access to rakugo once he gets mm -hmm. kind of kicked out um he loses himself he becomes this bum where, I mean, he wasn't super responsible or wonderful <laughs> prior to yeah. this, but he completely loses all motivation. He doesn't want to work. All mm -hmm. he does is stay at home and drink all day. We also see like Miyokichi denying him from performing Rakugo, even mm -hmm. in like local capacities. And even when mm -hmm. he was still active, she would be like, I can't believe you're doing that stuff. That's not a real job. And it's like... Mm -hmm. This is, like, conjecture on my part, but I think, like, following the whole idea that she has no vessel for self-expression in mm -hmm. this era besides her relationships with men. You know, perhaps she resents her husband for having that vehicle for self-expression when she cannot. And that she, she can't mm -hmm. be that vessel for his self-expression. Mm -hmm. That he doesn't find himself in her in the same way that she finds herself mm -hmm. in him or yeah. in whomever man that she is with mm -hmm. um, or the version of herself that she wants to be. It's, yeah, it's a very complicated relationship. <laughs> and during this part of the story wherein we're hearing about their relationship and their untimely death from Yakuma. <laughs> this is where the unreliable narration comes in, in how they they ended up dying in a mm -hmm. horrible accident, which is true. Um, but because of how he tells it, because of how he presents it, and in order to protect the people he cares about the most, both Sukeroku, Miyokichi, and Konatsu as well. He tell he takes on the entirety of the guilt. So when we learn about the realities of of this whole situation, um, what happened, why it happened, it's a lot more complicated and a lot more focused on Konatsu, which he's been protecting her from 
her whole life and which she doesn't remember and which has been foundational to her quote-unquote hatred of him she doesn't like him they've never gotten on because of her misunderstanding of the situation but also well they (laughs) they again there's a very contentious relationship they care about each other they don't exactly like each other but they need the other person to be there Mm -hmm. again in a way that well it is love right like Mm -hmm. it's a familial love it's they care about each other deeply but they're both very um hurt and broken people they're also both stubborn gits don't forget that well yes that too (laughs) none of these people are very good communicators for being storytelling they're like one functional thing that they do except yotaro nothing if not a good communicator too good honestly (laughs) but uh speaking of konatsu uh you may have gathered, dear listener, that this series operates in a lot of dualities between characters. And there is very much a duality between Miyokichi and uh, Konatsu as the two sort of main female presences within the series. There's a couple other like side characters, but overall it is a very male-centric series and male-centric art form at this time. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of what we see reflected in that duality is how Konatsu, who is also a very strong-willed woman um, and very clever in ways that aren't, you know, dissimilar from her mother, but we see her grow into a much more headstrong young woman. We see more doors open for her. We see, like, even though, Mm -hmm. you know, Yakumo has his moments of uh old man sexism like at the end of the day what he says to her most often is do as you please yotaro the man who she ends up with is just as much as we've we've dropped this word just an absolute wife guy So even when she does end up sort of making some similar mistakes to her mother, her responses to those mistakes, the choices that she makes in response to them, and the ways that people around her respond to her responses is different because the era has changed. So Mm -hmm. um, we see Konatsu's story ending very differently than Miyokichi's, largely because of the inexorable flow of time. Which is something. <laughs> it is. And I think also Konatsu recognizes she has such a fear as well of becoming like her mother because mm-hmm. for as much as she, you know, claims she hates Yakumo and, and blames him for her parents' death and wants to kill him, she also recognizes that, like, her, especially her mother, were n- was not wholly innocent in what happened and and why the situation got to the point that it was. Um, And she recognizes in certain points in her life herself falling down like similar patterns Mm -hmm. and wanting to proactively make that change. And as you said, right, due to just the people around her, the era, she had a much 
different experience compared to her mother and therefore ended up her life ended up in a much more different place uh, than either of her parents just due to the fact that you know time moves ever for forward and um, she had relationships in her life that neither of her parents did and even so much so from the person that was in all three of their lives right mm-hmm. like Yakmo represented a very different person to all three of them yeah he's been a very different person over the years he's as as awful as, as he is to are. as awful as he is to Konatsu um from time to time like he has gotten softer in his old age and we do see him sort mm. of being very warm to her at times mm-hmm. even as we know that they haven't had a great time yeah. together <laughs> they haven't had a great time together but i don't think there's ever a, a doubt that he cared about her even in just so far as like what she represented right mm-hmm. like their relationship might not have been amicable for a lot of it um, and it took a long time for them to be you know to kind of sort through and talk about some things that they'd gone through but like if he really didn't care he would have never taken her in right mm-hmm. like aside there's a level of like okay it's duty you do you you know you care for the people that yeah. Do you just leave the little girl in the gutter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's a there's a duty element to it, but by the time, like, he wouldn't stay in her life or have her in his life as an adult. He's always had the open door for her, even if he doesn't agree with her choices and what she mm-hmm. wants to do, um, and which is solidified in their relationship I don't want to say healed because that's not really mm-hmm. the right word, but their their relationship helped along by Yotaro and his introduction to their relationship dynamic as mm-hmm. well, being the third person or third slash fourth person in this weird little family. Yeah, um, because we can't forget Matsuda. We can't forget Matsuda. <laughs> the one who really <laughs> raised Konatsu, according to Yakumo himself. the most wonderful old man man. (laughs) (laughs) Matsuda is um, Yakumo's driver and household attendant and they've been together for yeah so they know (laughs) forever they've been together forever (laughs) but uh, (laughs) uh, before we get fully into sort of the latter timeline of uh this series i did want to quickly touch on a rather common uh reading of the series and the Mm -hmm. secret third female main character of the series (laughs) yeah it's really quite common to read um yakumo the eighth as a a trans woman at the very least as a gay man and probably as a Mm -hmm. trans woman as well uh, it's a reading that, like, I definitely was quite fond of watching the anime, and I think that the manga pushes it even more. So, mm-hmm. um, 
And I mean, people will be like, there's nothing in this to support this. Like, why why wouldn't it be heterosexual by default? And I'm like, this is the first non-explicitly BL work that Kumota Haruko has ever written. <laughs> and to date, still her only one. <laughs> yeah. And like, her BL is gender as fuck. Like, if you read any of it. <laughs> so, like, her writing... Um, a trans or genderqueer protagonist and her writing BL elements into her work is the default, people. <laughs> um, but anyway, so um, part of what we were talking about with Yakumo feeling that Rakugo for him is self-expression, um, specifically how he realized this was like first... Skeroku got him to put on this like play with him and a bunch of the apprentices where he was playing um I think a male character but who is like who cross dresses pretending to be a lady, pretending to be yeah, a lady in the way that like Kami do you know <laughs> mm. <laughs> so um he feels so empowered getting up on that stage and realizing that the people in the audience are seeing him as this beautiful, powerful woman, um, that he is entrancing, that he is bewitching. And from that point on, he realizes that he's really good at doing female characters in Bakugo. Oh, absolutely. Um, that is what they he's known for, his women. There is bread and butter. They are complex. <laughs> they are sexy. They are, he, he just really gets into their hearts, man, in a way mm -hmm. that just, like, other Rakugo artists just don't. Mm -hmm. And also, like, right after this, we see him having, like, his first Rakugo performance after this epiphany that he had on stage during this play. And he's playing um, a particularly famous female character. Mm -hmm. And he re that is when he realizes... This is what Akugo is for me. This mm -hmm. is me expressing myself mm -hmm. in a way that I can't outside of Rakugo. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, that's the transest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Miyokichi, when she's dating him, like, multiple times, literally asks him, like, are you even into women? <laughs> yeah. Well, also, um, like, their, their relationship is so much him through her having mm -hmm. like a relationship with his female expression right like mm -hmm. he bases so much of his women mm -hmm. i on her i himself on her and like so much so that she's doing his makeup they they are just mm -hmm. hanging out in the in her room, not doing anything, right? Like if it's Sukeroku, <laughs> he's he's you know down, but Kiku doesn't doesn't want that. He's not he's mm -hmm. there to observe. He'll try to like act the part too, but Miyokichi's mm -hmm. like when he, he never comes to kiss me, and when I kiss him, he doesn't seem to like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and like like when we are with each other, we just chat. And he's so obsessed with Sukeroku, to uh -huh. the exclusion of me, which we often see, like, Kiku in the background of Sukeroku doing whatever, just, like, 
blushing with his entire face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, he is enthralled by Sukeroku in a way that Sukeroku, despite also seeing Kiku as this, like, great rival, as this mm-hmm. um, brother-in-arms, just never seems to reciprocate. Sukeroku is extremely het, like, so much so. So much so. It's completely off of his radar to even think of Kiku in a yeah. way that, like, is anything like, oh, yeah, he's my, you know, <laughs> again, brother in arms. We're just two dudes being pals. Meanwhile, well, mi- like... <laughs> Miyo- yeah, Miyokichi, like, asks Sukeroku, Suke- like, does he even like women? Because she's gotten sick of acting, asking Kiku to his face, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and Skidoku's like, of course he likes women. Women are great. <laughs> women are wonderful. And it's like, well... <laughs> what Rokugo artist doesn't love women? And you're like, well... Mm. Well... <laughs> there's, there's loving women... And then there's loving women in so far as, like, you want to be a woman. Um, You just, like, are a woman (laughs) and you love men as a woman. Mm. Mm. Um, And you are in a relationship with another woman who also loves men as a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Or even, again, and I also agree that I think it's very... It's a very valid reading and very obvious as to like the trans reading of of Yakumo Kikahiko. Um, but even if you don't subscribe to that, um, it would be just absolutely impossible to read him as like heterosexual in any way. <laughs> Uh, because regardless of whether he wants to actually be a woman insofar as he identifies as a woman in how in the ways that he can within like the Showa period and society and this very traditionalist structure and industry that he's in or he wants to be a woman insofar as like the freedoms that women have to be in mm-hmm. relationships with men um, mm-hmm. and their, their self-expression. Either way, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is not a man who's like, I definitely want a wife and three children <laughs> at home. Yeah. <laughs> this is... <laughs> I... Yeah, yeah. I'm going to spend all my nights in the geisha quarters and I am <laughs> utterly secure in my masculinity at all times. <laughs> so there's that um and i think that that very much like plays into um sort of his rigidity as a character in that Mm -hmm. like we see him grow into a very bitter and cynical old man who's just Mm -hmm. clinging to the old ways for dear life um Mm -hmm. and doesn't want his art to change he would rather kill it himself with his Mm -hmm. own hands then and then die himself then watch it change um Mm -hmm. and i think that that gains like a lot of layers when you add to it the idea that you know whether you interpret him as uh just queer or possibly trans that you know 
a lot of that same sort of stubbornness, a lot of that same just like larger societal lack of imagination, lack of realization that these people exist, lack of willingness to realize that these people exist. Mm -hmm. well, I'm not wording this like as well as I want to, but like that definitely like you can see that as well reflected in his sort of inherent tragedy as a character and the fact that he never really there are ways in which he he never really ends up fulfilled he is a product he yeah he's a product of his era right mm -hmm. in all sorts of ways and mm -hmm. ultimately becomes a representative of that era kind of well for the art form but also for you know showa as it is he grew up within a society that was very much a certain way but that was also kind of the pinnacle of change right and from the very start he like the first scene that we see him in as a little boy is him being cast aside for his gender and place of birth, mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. as his disability. And that's in the Taisho era, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we see this sort of lack of resources that's sort of restricting of what he's able to do and what he's able to accomplish. I mean, Rakugo is set out for him as his course. Mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't really have any freedom to deviate from that. And he resents that for like half his life. So, like, even from the very first scene where we're introduced to him through to the very last scene, it's like this thematically carries through all the way. Mm -hmm. In so much so in saying, like, he's a product of his time in a different era. If he was born, you know, within the, the younger generation, his life could have and would have probably gone in a completely different trajectory as we all are like product of our situation and of the society and time that we are born into the fact that he does cling to tradition and the rigid structure of what he's been forcibly brought up into is just further to that point right like it's just a continuation of he's been rejected so much throughout his life and so when Rakugo starts to change, that becomes something like he doesn't want to be rejected by something he's become familiar with. And that mm. he's come to see as representative of himself, mm -hmm. um, which obviously brings that that whole relationship to the art form and to again this changing society the bubble era of japan <laughs> and and that like completely switching how audiences engage with media um yeah. it's it's something that he has clung to as a way to protect himself in a society and in an industry that otherwise would reject him and even from people right like Sukaroku and Miyokichi um you know I don't inherently think they would reject him but I don't think that he knows that they wouldn't reject him right like mm -hmm. 
his yeah, level certainly of, they wouldn't understand exactly um, his level of understanding of their relationship is very different from their perspective of it as well in terms of another duality like we see with that sort of the old stories the old set canon of Rakugo stories that for mm -hmm. Yakumo has come to represent himself we see that sort of flipped on its head in Konatsu who because all of the stories are from a male perspective inherently mm -hmm. like as the speaker she literally is completely barred from doing Rakugo at all mm -hmm. with the stories as they are so we see sort of Yakumo who sees himself in these stories because that's how he a place that he's come to after decades mm -hmm. but we also have somebody who because she's a woman is just barred from entry at the start because all of mm. these stories are about male storytellers using masculine Japanese and mm. so for her she'll only find freedom within the medium if the stories are changed mm -hmm. which is heretical to yakumo yeah absolutely and it's it, the adaptability and the need for art to change over the years um and especially when we're talking about like traditional arts um how easily things can be lost if there's no one to continue continue that chain of artistic mm -hmm. expression especially for something like you know live storytelling it, it is something that without having adapted to a more modern audience i'm not saying would have disappeared of course it wouldn't have but it certainly would have a lot harder time existing in this especially now like this 2020 era of like oh we've got social media everywhere and then we've got like <laughs> television the internet radio all of these things competing for our, our attention that mm -hmm. without kind of meeting the audience where they're at um without completely rejecting what the the art form is in of itself is how you maintain maintain those sorts of things and the good thing about art is that you know it is able to change it is able to adapt to what need what it needs to be to continue its relevancy yeah and i mean this of course does come up in the series um mm -hmm. as you've mentioned but specifically with Yakumo's character, it's something that he has to confront very directly. Um, there's mm -hmm. a major character in the latter half of the series um, who is uh, an author called Higuchi. Mm -hmm. uh, who He's an academic, and um, he does have like a bit of history with Yakumo in that one time he asked to be his apprentice, and Yakumo was like, fuck no. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, the main thing here is that Higuchi his, he is a Yakumo the Ape stan loves mm -hmm. him so much has devoted his entire academic life to this man's Rakugo and his thing that he wants to do is get all of Yakumo's performances recorded 
-hmm. and also write a biography. But of course, to like record his performances, he needs the man himself's permission. So um, there's a lot of like different conversations where he's just trying to convince Yakumo to let him record him. If you've uh, ever tried to talk to like a musical theater person about pro shots, <laughs> um, can often be a long and pointless conversation. <laughs> but uh, you know, eventually we do come to a point where Yakumo sort of, you know, is very much coming to a point where he feels his age where he's, you know, having health problems and stuff and starting to feel his own mortality, I think. And he does oh, eventually agree to have his life's work uh, recorded for posterity. And, like, now, you know, his Rakugo is immortal. He'll die, but it won't. And that's, you know, also an interesting discussion that the series is having about sort of the importance of maintaining an archive for art mm -hmm. now that mm -hmm. we have the ability um we also find like they find a sole video recording of skeroku from when he was alive and we see mm -hmm. how incredibly emotionally important this is for konatsu and yotaro and matsuda you know rakugo has this bank of stories or this this history of very specific stories told so it's not so much the content that is i don't say interesting it but that's more so the interest is in the performance that mm -hmm. the performer gives right and so every rakugo performer has their own style has their own way that they present stories so you can listen to the same story you know a dozen times from a dozen different people and have a different experience every single time um, which is why, you know, that question of building up an archive of the masters or the just even the performers of this craft is so important and something that wasn't able to be done, right, prior to this story starting and is something that has only now become more readily available through recording devices, whether that's, you know, audio or video um so within this changing world um the idea of rakugo persisting not only at, through the stories themselves but rakugo per persisting through the performances of people past and present and future is a lot more interesting for the art form and no sooner does that become very evident to Yakumo, but when he is kind of faced with his own mortality, but also the acceptance or the realization of, despite being having kind of wanted his life to end for a long time, in his older age, not being ready for his life to end, right? Like mm -hmm. the realization that he doesn't want things to finish with him, that he doesn't actually want to commit double suicide with Rakugo and that he wants to be there to experience the future um, and the change that is happening within 
this community and this art form that he's existed in for, you know, the last 70 years. Yeah, and we have, like, this beautiful moment when he's on his deathbed, and it's just this quiet moment with Konatsu and Shinosuke, who is mm-hmm. um, Konatsu's son, son, where, you know, he realizes that, like, all these years he's spent trying to convince himself he's utterly alone. Mm-hmm. But the whole time, he's been so tied to other people, and he's got these relationships that mean something to him, that are important to him, and that he's leaving behind, and that there are people who are going to remember him when he's gone, and that there are people waiting for him in the afterlife, which he does meet them in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cried like a little baby. <laughs> Yes, and it's like this beautiful sort of reflection of how this art form that he has been seeing as an expression of himself as an individual for so long, Mm -hmm. how it is so utterly about human beings connecting with each other, whether that be between the performer and the audience within the room or between the writer of the initial story and the people living today, Mm. or between the apprentice and his master who's passed on, that this is all about bonds between people across space and across time. And I just think that that's such a beautiful message about like what art is and what it means Mm-hmm. And what life is and what life yeah. means, you know? What it means to be a person. What it means to be mm-hmm. connected to your community and the people around you in all the sorts of capacities. Yeah. So much of, like, stories about art and artists mm-hmm. relies so much on this idea of the, like the artistic savant who cannot possibly be understood by mere mortals Mm -hmm. who sequesters himself off genius right the solitary genius um (laughs) the master in his workshop Mm -hmm. right no one could ever understand that to be an artist is to be alone that Mm -hmm. to be an artist is to have your work be misunderstood by the masses (sighs) you know uh-huh. Whereas I really appreciate this manga and this anime, this franchise, I guess, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for providing a counterpoint to that. That's like, art isn't just the creator's vision for the work, and it isn't just the audience's vision for the work. Mm-hmm. Art is a connection. Art is a conversation. It's And not just between, you know, speaker and listener, but between generations between Mm -hmm. societies Mm -hmm. between every member of an audience in a room um that art can't be reduced to one or two people Mm -hmm. because art to some extent is humanity itself i really yeah (laughs) (laughs) well it's a reflection art is a reflection of humanity and of the era and of what i mean art is the zeitgeist right like it reflects Mm -hmm. so perfectly what humanity and what society and what countries 
geopolitically or otherwise are doing, what it means to be human in, you know, year XYZ. And to be able to look at that in the future and see that so clearly reflected and then also recognize like the universality of like the human experience um mm-hmm. is just so incredibly personal and so incredibly beautifully done within this particular series and and further to that point like <laughs> to go on a little bit of a soapbox here but like manga is the perfect example of this of like people think of it as being like a single person's work but we know even like the most popular dedicated mangaka does still have a team around them of assistants of editors of whoever it is like no art is made in an in a vacuum right art in itself manga in itself is a collaboration of ideas and people and perspectives that like yes you know you might have one person's name on the front cover but there's a team of people who are responsible and contributing to this what is the final product and what the audience what the viewers what the you know experience is in the finality and you need those people again it it's so lovely to see as you said ray art and artistry um even in a somewhat unconventional art form like rakugo being portrayed as something that is communal that is involving so many different people and having this connection with the wider world and obviously this internal connection we it this story wouldn't be what it is without yakuma and without his life's progression and his perspective changing but it also wouldn't be the same without yotaro without konatsu without sukeroku without miyokichi without anyone right like it is so many moving pieces but they all are a perfect part to what the series is and what this series becomes over the course of it i just wanted to mention like one scene um within mm-hmm. the afterlife that i mm-hmm. think just like encompasses a, lo- a lot of this because mm-hmm. um, Yakumo does you know he meets Sugeroku and Miyokichi in the afterlife and it's very sweet and I'm crying through the whole thing um, and they show him that um, the Rakugo theater that burnt down while he was alive uh, has shown up in the afterlife now so mm-hmm. um, before he crosses the Sanzu river which is like the Japanese analog for the river sticks um mm-hmm. serves a similar purpose um you know he has the chance to do one more performance um and so he gets up on that stage and there's a cushion there that um whoever the person performing most wants to see most wants to hear their rakugo in that moment Mm. um appears there um for just that moment and then they go back to their life among the living Mm -hmm. um 
And for Sukeroku, uh, that is Konatsu, little little baby Konatsu. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Yakumo, it's Shinnosuke, who is Konatsu's son and his mm-hmm. grandson. Um, and um, what I thought was so sweet was that rather than, like, you would expect at this climactic moment that he would do one of the Rakugo stories that has been shown to mean the most to him, mm-hmm. um, like The God of Death or one of the other ones that he's done the we- um, over and over and over again. I guess The Weathered Bones is Sugeroku's one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, one of these sort of more dark haunting tales or more like, I guess, coy sexy mm. tales that he's particularly good at sultry um, sultry sultry <laughs> but instead um he does jugemu which is mm. um anybody who's seen like the extras to full metal alchemist brotherhood um has seen the one where like scar and fear bradley are just like yelling this really stupid long like japanese <laughs> name at each other uh, um, like what a coincidence! My name is also Jugemu <laughs> Jugemu. <laughs> um, and that is a Rakugo story. Um, <laughs> and the way that it shows up repeatedly in this is that kids really like it. It's an mm-hmm. easy joke to understand. There's nothing like untoward about it or hard to hard to get. You don't need a history lesson for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like look at this kid with the stupid long name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and that's the one that he performs. So he's performing to Konatsu and Shinosuke, who are children, um, in this moment. And, you know, I just think that that's a a perfect place to end his, his Rakugo career. Um, with the children, with the children. (laughs) <laughs> the new generation the children but also it's a perfect counterpoint to when he was alive and when yeah. Shinsuke, Shinsuke like asked him or he's like oh what do you want to hear and he would tell like he'd say that story and then once on stage he'd just go and do like what he actually wanted to do <laughs> yeah um, and, <laughs> and so it's is that perfect like growth of character of like mm-hmm. okay i need to stop being so self-focused selfish really right so inwardly mm-hmm. focused and um you know dedicated mm-hmm. to this rakugo being me and rakugo like has yeah. to represent what i am now i'm performing for the audience that I have and the audience that want to hear what I have to say. It's like rather than like him choosing to put a bookend on his career that is uh-huh. his own greatest work or his own greatest challenge in life. It's like he's choosing mm-hmm. rather than to have a conversation with himself and his own Rakugo, he's having a conversation with his grandson which is mm-hmm. just showing how valuable those human relationships were to him and how he's realized that how valuable those human relationships were to him mm-hmm. um 
There's a quote, like, I don't have the right volume with me right now. One of those near-death experiences that he has, he has a couple of them. Um, <laughs> God damn it. He's God. old, you know? <laughs> he's old. <laughs> um, but it's like, he, like, literally sees Miyokichi and Sukedoku and the god of death in the afterlife. But he gets yanked back by the voice of someone in his family. And he's like, you know, once again, I keep getting pulled back by my lingering attachments. Mm. Or by my human attachments. And it's like, mm-hmm. aww. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the amount of times he's like, "Well, once again, I have failed because of I people failed who to care about him." Die. Are like, "Oh, we don't want you to die." Um, <laughs> God, I just can I just say how wonderful of an old man he is. <laughs> he's so sweet. I I, I legitimately he mellows out so much in his <laughs> old age, and I think that comes with like. Yeah. I don't want to say confidence, but with self-security and, like, also yeah. being okay to, like, question or to, like, confront the parts of you that you were too afraid to to even, like, mm-hmm. think about as a young person. Um, mm. I, oh, I just, I just love, like... But he's still and, got that, like, that biting wit. <laughs> yeah, the sassiness. I love him. Yeah, he's sassy so queen. sassy. Honestly, drag queen energy forever and always. Forever and um, always, and I, I, we've we've touched on it a couple times already. But the ending to the series really is like what is so powerful about it. The way that everything is so perfectly tied together. Because there's a lot of ways this series could have just like dropped the ball in the last half. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never does. It never fumbles. Should we mention the one sticking point that a lot of people have right at the end? I don't actually think that it's a big deal because I don't mm-hmm. think the steer- series is pushing us to actually consider it seriously. Yeah. But no, rather pushing us to be like, this literally doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, the man who's asking it is a tool. And the reason we don't get an answer to the question is because it literally could not matter less. Mm. Um, but it's um, the question of Shinosuke's parentage comes up. Um, we have a pretty strong sort of assumption at this point that Yotaro's former Yakuza boss um, is probably the father but that's mm. never really confirmed or denied. Because, mm. um, I mean, Konatsu had, you know, she's had some some rebellious moments <laughs> that have gotten her in trouble. Um, yeah. But we have Higuchi, who is the academic who is obsessed with Yakumo, um, who has a tendency to say very insensitive, crude things about people and... Mm-hmm kind of treat Yakumo as less of a human being and more of an academic curiosity from time to time. He's very much like that kind of academic, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like nobody 
you know, some people are friends with him, but like they don't really like him. Yeah, <laughs> he's very yeah. annoying. <laughs> he just keeps showing up. Um, but um, he asks a much older Konatsu, like decades after Yakumo's own death. Mm -hmm. Um, if, uh, maybe the relationship between an adoptive father and adoptive daughter ever evolved into something more, mm -hmm. and she refuses to answer him because, mm -hmm. um, it's a stupid question that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Shinosuke is literally a teenager now, mm -hmm. um... And it almost feels like a direct, like, facing the audience and being, like, such an old, like, because it, it really runs counter to everything the series stands for. Yeah. Because um, it would be this idea that, you know, Shinosuke is very good at Rakugo because he contains oh. the blood of two yeah. great Rakugo masters within him. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, which is against what the series is about. So mm -hmm. I really don't think that the series is genuinely asking you to consider that point. Mm -hmm. I think it's actively asking you not to, considering who the person who asked the question is mm -hmm. and how he got immediately blown off afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I think said like it doesn't really inherently matter but it's also a issue that was kind of like solved resolved like pretty pretty <laughs> strongly um and the idea that like you can only be talented because of like oh your your blood your pedigree yeah which also in your blood. like is, which also is, like, so counterintuitive to both Yakumo and Sukeraku, right? Like, they didn't mm -hmm. come from Rakugo people, family. No, yeah. Um, so it's... Like, the uh, Sukeroku it, name continues to live on despite its lack of pedigree because, like, because of people actively rebelling against the idea that you need a pedigree to be a Rakugo artist. Precisely. Like, that was why Yotaro took on the name Sukeroku III at first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's why Sukeroku took on the name Sukeroku II from, like, mm -hmm. the bum who raised him on the street. <laughs> exactly. And and that bum was just, like, a guy, right? Like, when he left Rakugo, <laughs> or when he was kicked out of Rakugo, he didn't have a family to go back to. He wasn't, you know... He wasn't from some Swiss Rakugo family head of household. He just was <laughs> a guy. Um, it's, yeah, for me, that last element of like, oh, could Yakumo be the father of, of his quote-unquote grandson? It's like, I don't... It's literally like... Higuchi writing fan fiction in his head. Exactly! It's, it's, <laughs> I don't know why people think it's more like liable or reliable that this guy would have, like, that Yakumo and Konatsu would have a sexual relationship over the fact that she was rebellious and, like, 
got pregnant from one of her rebellious, you know, trysts with, uh, yeah. like, a not great guy. Like, we not... Oh, I d- you can't see me. I'm waving my hands here. It's like, there's, there's <laughs> so much adoration that this author has for Yakumo that he he would love the idea of like a genetic continuation of Yakumo mm-hmm. that he's just so set on this idea of like oh well he didn't never had any children which is like a really sad way to look at adoption as well but like he doesn't have <laughs> any blood relations so yeah. therefore like I need to create this blood relation um Ugh. that probably isn't right like he and that was the point is like Yakumo had a family has a family mm-hmm. they're not like genetically yeah. biologically related but it doesn't like, matter <laughs> not only does Yotaro carry on the Yakumo lineage mm-hmm. but like Konatsu could after him like Shinosuke probably will because he idolizes Yakumo's um, uh, Rakugo there's Mm -hmm. the daughter as well like his lineage will live on and the name Yakumo will live on for better or for worse as well (laughs) there's no question of that it's literally Mm -hmm. just if you're weird and like obsessed with like an a literal genetic bloodline. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which we yeah. know isn't like inherently what Rakugo is about. We've also throughout nope. the series seen characters wherein the sons of great masters do not take upon the you know the mm-hmm. name, the the generational name of their fathers, um, mm-hmm. and that's okay. <laughs> Right? Like, (laughs) it's the head disciple or head student who becomes the representative of that that namesake. Um, Yeah, it's just such a weird... It's a... a, I'm not surprised it's like a sticking point or like a um, kind of like an off-color end of... end cap to this, this finale. But, like, again, I think... For me, it's pretty clear that, like, this is not something to be taken seriously. It's not something that matters. It's not something that, regardless of the situation... And, like, also, up front, I don't believe this is the case. Like, again, this is just writing fan fiction (laughs) for the sake of fan fiction. But... This kid who looks, like, really obviously, like either of those yakuza dudes yes either of those yakuza dudes <laughs> plus his his like actual biological grandfather yeah and his mom like it's just you know i mm, i can understand why people might like snap make the decision of like oh my gosh they introduced this therefore like it's something to worry about but it's also like use some critical thinking guys just like contextually does this make any sense at all um and Um, yeah i don't know i i I think it's a non-starter people who want to believe that and want to criticize the series for that aspect have missed 
a like a fundamental part of this plot and also like what <laughs> that character both well all of those characters represent in the story and what family represents <laughs> right like it's just <sighs> sigh Sigh. Can we Sigh. talk instead about how much of a gross hipster she knows Kay grew up to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. He's... Jeez, gosh shit, sis. You wouldn't understand. You didn't see Grandpa perform. And yeah, like, oh he's god. got these big stupid hipster glasses and he's got the hair. Uh, oh my god, the hair. The hair. And like... He's sitting here, like, brooding and, like, mm-hmm. listening to, like, Showa-era Rakugo <laughs> performances. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and the um, thing is that, like, <laughs> he's, he's a grubby teen, so he'll hopefully grow out of it. He's got, <laughs> he's got some sh- parents with strong personalities. And a sister who won't I get, say all of this with him. great affection. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. And again, like, the what he represents as, like, the future of Rakugo, because he's just as infatuated with Rakugo as his family has been, uh, both biological and otherwise, um, <laughs> that, like, it's a reassurance to the future of Rakugo and again that kind of like the how the art form continues to change even if he is like a a snobby hipster who's like oh the masters <laughs> of the show <laughs> they're so cool you wouldn't understand sis you wouldn't understand grandpa was amazing <laughs> <laughs> Rakugo just isn't like it used to be in my grandfather's days. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like 17 and just like the most gormless youth. Just, uh... <laughs> Adorable. 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 <laughs> but to be fair, you know, he's not that much younger than his dad would, would have been. Um, when he's like, I'm going to become a rock go performer myself. So Well, and he young. was adorable too. So I know. What a child. <laughs> Honestly, when I, um. when I reread the series, because it's been a while since I'd read it, because I read it as it came mm-hmm. out, I was introduced to it via the anime, like I think everyone who is aware of it. Um, mm-hmm. And man, when I realized that Yotaro was 22 when he went to like when he left prison and wanted to become a Rakugo performer I'm like oh my god child sweetheart <laughs> oh <laughs> youth baby girl <laughs> <laughs> baby girl <laughs> oh um, sweetheart I speaking of which just want to mm. shout out um, Haruko Kumota's art. Mm-hmm. Um, I have talked about her and her art before because I am a really big fan of her BL series, um, My Darling mm-hmm. Kitten Hair, Itoshi no Nekoke, which that one is entirely watercolored, so it has like an even an extra layer. But um, 
This one also just, I, mm, I love her art. There's something so squishy mm. and round and wonderful about her artwork. You just immediately want to hug every character. Um, and um, she clearly put all of her tastes into the older men in this series. <laughs> and uh, we live for a self-indulgent creator as well. <laughs> Honestly, um, Yakumo, most handsome man. Most handsome Honestly, man. Yes, like, <laughs> adorable child, handsome young man, handsome older man. Handsomest old man. Like, I don't know how Handsome he keeps is getting, old man. He, he keeps getting more attractive as he gets older, and I'm <laughs> Like a fine it. wine. <laughs> exactly. He is the epitome of Silver Fox. I don't know what, how he He's like 80. It. <laughs> and he puts those glasses on and you're like damn sir How, well, um. <laughs> it's uh yeah so but um yeah I just I really appreciate her art it's very lovable inherently mm-hmm. lovable mm-hmm. um there's an effortlessness to it as well a confidence behind her brush line that I don't know. You just read it and you feel like you're in good hands. Mm-hmm. So, and I could say that about her other work as well. I think she's a fantastic artist. So, yeah, it's a there's a softness to how the world is, like how she constructs a scene, um, mm-hmm. and the characters within, and how they interact with the world. I guess. Um, plus also like the amount of just beautifully evocative um, like the afterlife is so beautifully done mm-hmm. both like the creepy side of that and also the the very harmonious peaceful end of life um, mm-hmm. it's just oh it's so beautiful it's just <laughs> I mean I don't want to say it's art on the page but it is right like it's art on the page <laughs> and it's done so well and complements what the story is without miring it in because this is a very dramatic story it could get bogged down very easily with a heavier art style or with a yeah but there's just so much warmth mm-hmm. exactly and That's so wonderful. there's there's a lightness and also like the, the comedy helps a bit as well just the, the <laughs> way that it incorporates all of its different elements to present this story in a way that is just so overwhelmingly well done so with so much heart even when it is dramatic even when it is extremely tragic it's done with such love and care and affection for the characters and for the and for Rakugo, right? For this art form that mm-hmm. even when it's at kind of its lowest depths, when Yakumo is confronting his own mortality, when he is so ready to slip into death um, because he feels like he deserves that, it never 
it's appropriately weighty and appropriately dramatic and appropriately heartbreaking, but it doesn't feel like overwhelmingly negative or upsetting or I don't want to say nihilistic, but it doesn't it doesn't feel the same as like, for example, a Inuyasuno series, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. that same style, even though for a good chunk of the series, we are following a character who kind of very proactively doesn't want to be alive, doesn't feel he deserves to be alive. Um mm-hmm. And it can it very easily, without that very delicate balance of art style and presentation and character growth um, and character presentation, it could very easily become just like very dour and a big downer and maybe just as effective and just as well done, but it's not the same experience. And I think it takes a real master to be able to juggle all of these things in a, into a story that honestly is like I, I'm still somewhat in awe that this series got licensed and has been released in English by Kodansha um, <laughs> in it, its entirety in its entirety <laughs> exactly like the, the anime had a huge cult following as I said but it's not like it's not Attack on Titan it's not like this is never going to be a popular, yeah. you know, hit mainstream series. It wasn't ever functionally meant to be that. But the fact that, you know, this series as an anime got two seasons and found great interest from the critical and kind of less mainstream outlets of, of anime fan. But then also, in response to that, I presume, Kodansha licensed the series and released it. And released it in singles. And, like, it's just... I don't know. It's amazing. It's crazy. And I, um, I'm very thankful. Thank you, Kodansha. <laughs> Especially <laughs> for, like, an old... For something like Rakugo, which for a lot of anime fans and manga fans isn't I mean nowadays I think more people are aware of it we have um you know a shonen jump series about rakugo right now so like more people are aware of it but it's not the like it it's not a like a sports series or like an action adventure or something um <laughs> rakugo's a little bit I look at it kind of like karata and shahaifu or another phenomenal series about a very specific Japanese art form slash sport that is like almost totally unheard of outside of Japan nobody knows what that shit is especially when the anime was coming out I don't think many people were aware of what Rakugo was so yeah thank you thank you Kumata for bringing awareness bringing awareness also, I wanted to just like going back to her art for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I think really contributes to the inherent warmth of the work is that, like, her audiences are never just like faceless NPCs. Um, 
like you get the sort of lively and often raucous crowd that you would expect mm-hmm. from Bakugo. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, you know, the reactions from individual people in the audience. You see, like, how filled out the theater is on that day. You see the people who are, you know, shouting out, like, oh my gosh, we were waiting for this. We're your huge <laughs> fans. Um, mm-hmm. um, and because, you know, Rakugo is usually performed in a pretty small, like, little theater, and mm-hmm. it's possible for fans of it to call out to the performer with like comments and stuff so um yeah you know it doesn't it the series ultimately doesn't want you to understand Rakugo as a single performer lecturing to an audience a faceless audience Mm. and the art contributes to the idea that no this is a room full of people creating art together through mutual enjoyment of it. That is Descending Stories Showa Gendoku Rakugo Shinju. Uh, everyone go read it. Everyone go read it. Everyone go watch it. <laughs> the other thing that the anime I think has the step up is that like the it actually has the Rakugo performances which are phenomenal mm-hmm. just by the way. Um, so if you read it love it go watch it because it's a fantastic adaptation isn't it studio dean it's someone like it's (laughs) it's not a studio that like is super hype right now um and dean never truly was but like this is a phenomenal series in all its iterations and um yeah it if you haven't read it or you've been on the fence about it and we spoke a lot about spoilers, uh, which is always going to happen in our series Spotlight. So, like, sorry if you haven't <laughs> if you've never tried it. Um, but it is a series worth reading. I regard mm-hmm. it as one of, like, the truly literary manga mm-hmm. we have available, especially in English. Mm-hmm. And it's just And by that so... token, it's like, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't like spoilers, but mm-hmm. for me, it's like this series is not the kind of series that even by knowing every single plot beat before you mm-hmm. go in, that it's going to be ruined. Like these characters mm-hmm. are so complex, particularly its central character portrait that it's creating is so complex. Mm-hmm. We couldn't possibly like fit all of the complexities of this single character into mm-hmm. our two-hour discussion today. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, the kind of art that's going to be ruined by knowing the twists and turns anyway. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I don't think a lot of art is, but I understand yeah. that's a contentious point of view. So, <laughs> it's <laughs> but not certainly like we... not this one. Yeah, it's not like we... we we're discussing like a murder mystery here right like (laughs) this is a story about a man who grows into an adult gets old and then dies (laughs) and tells some stories (laughs) along the way um but this is and he has a job that's the story (laughs) that's the story but it truly is as you said, like such a incredibly done 
character portrait um, so intimately kind of explored both internally with the character and externally from the, the surrounding and supporting characters um, that it's it's something that's very I don't I can't think of too many other examples especially in like manga that are done quite as effectively and with such reverence um, to the human experience. Um, all of these characters are very complicated people and all have their major issues, but it's never critical insofar as like, it's not a judgment of like, you need to act a certain way to be valuable or for people to care about you and um, it's just like people are messy and they're complicated exactly and they fuck up and we've all done that and if you say you haven't then you're not you're a liar is what that is um (laughs) but it's it is phenomenally done if you care at all about kind of stories about art and artistic expression as well i do think that if you care all about like what manga can be and how and character just like the the extremely well done character writing in this um needs to be experienced in some capacity and i think you know when when you're in a medium that is so full of like tropes and character like beats and specifications and you get bogged down in like what is expected for manga especially within certain demographics it's hard or it can be easy to forget that like there's a depth of character that can be explored in comics regardless but even within comics that are um you know a little bit outside of what is representative of the demographic and of like what manga is especially within the western uh perspective i don't know it's it's one of the good ones you guys and if you're listening to this podcast I think hopefully you're you're one of the people who would be willing to try the series with an open mind, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> so do that if you haven't. Uh, read it. <laughs> and if you speak Japanese, check out some Rakugo too. It's neat. Mm. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... We come to the conclusion of this wonderful spotlight of the ever-fantastic Descending Stories, Showa Genroku Rakuto Shinju by Haruko Kumata. As mentioned, it is a, it's 10 volumes, completely released by Kodansha. I'm pretty sure it's still in print. Um, and so jump on it whilst you have the opportunity. One of the few... quite the translation feat as well. Yes. Um, let's see if I can find the translator real quick. Ah, uh, we've got a company listed here, Alt Japan Company Limited, with um, the 
names being Matt Trayvod, Hiroko Yoda, and Matt Alt. Mm. So, there you go. So, yes, check it out. It, it's a lovingly done series um, of with a kind of difficult subject matter, just insofar as, like, translating Rokugo. And one of the few... Not only just one of the few Jose series available in English, full stop, but certainly one of the few Jose series that isn't focused on... I don't want to say a female character, because even outside of, like, trans um, perspective or potential there, it still has a lot of female uh, influence there. Um, and the female characters are very important to the series, but it's not a lot of English Jose is not a dramatic character introspection about the meaning and role of art within society. So <laughs> it is wholly unique and um, well worth the read. On that note, next month we are. As always, at the end of the year, we will be doing our wrap-up of our favorite new debuts for 2022, or for the year. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about some series that have have ended as well, completed. Um, I, I'm going to have to go and look at what, what I started reading this year, because it's been... <laughs> this year's gone quickly, and I don't remember anything about it. It's just been... <laughs> one yeah. of those COVID years <laughs> and I to be honest haven't read that much so I have a lot of catching up to do <laughs> uh, there was you know as you'll recall a uh, like halfway around the world move halfway mm -hmm. through my year so a yeah. little bit behind <laughs> yeah I mean exactly between you, you moving me moving um, the world just still being it all in a kerfuffle. The the just amount sheer amount of manga that is released on every given day, um, and the sheer amount of like inaccessibility because printing schedules are still all screwed up. <laughs> the paper shortages uh. are just out of this world. I don't where yeah. it's been a time. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> but regardless, if you have any questions or you want to give us your own new favorite debuts for the year, be sure to leave a comment on this specific video on my YouTube channel, Simply G. Or hopefully, if Twitter still maybe exists in a month, we don't know. This is <laughs> this is post Musk era. Um, we we might be tweeting about it um if not well we're gonna have to figure something out <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> but otherwise but... If, if you do have your questions or your lists you will be able to find me on youtube hopefully you're either listening to this on youtube again at simply g uh, or yes at the simply g channel on youtube or on the multitude of podcasting platforms that this this series is on, um, including Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, um, 
Stitcher, I think. I don't know. Lots of them. Lots of them. (laughs) (laughs) And be sure to follow Ray on all of her social medias, including her YouTube channel, Whimsical Pictures, and her Twitter. Uh, Again, we don't know how that's going to go, but it'll be linked in the description of this podcast regardless. So... I post a lot of Japanese musical theater actresses. <laughs> the most important content around, <laughs> to be quite frank. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so be sure to do that, and um, we'll we'll catch you in the next next episode. <laughs> Bye till then. Bye, guys.